me to the book of Luke, chapter number 20, I'm sorry, chapter number 2, chapter number 2, and verse number 20. Luke, chapter number 2, and verse number 20. If you found it, say amen. amen. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit. You know, the timeline of the Christmas story that we're used to in a lot of our Christmas plays is not actually uh, the same timeline that's in the Bible. Uh, there's no proof, there's no proof that December 25th is the day of his birth. Um, we, we know about the manger, we know he was, that when he was born, angels and uh, shepherds came. Then there's this 40th day that happens that we're going to talk about tonight, and it was about a year later that the wise men came. And so... The story that we have in our mind that we that we kind of grew up with is not necessarily the, the timeline, although it all did happen. We know about the manger, we know about the angels, the shepherds, the wise men, but we don't know a lot about the 40th day, and that's what I want to talk about tonight, is the 40th day. Lord, I ask you, God, to help me to open your word. I pray, God, let the seed of your word find good ground. Help us to learn of you and grow. In grace and knowledge, I pray, God, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost move in this class and in our children's classes, our youth class, our juniors class, and grow classes, Lord. I pray for your anointing to move in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The Jewish law was very specific in regards to the steps taken after a child is born. According to the Bible, after the son is born, a mother was considered unclean for 40 days. They didn't have modern medical methods. They didn't have a lot of uh, the health uh, understanding that we do now. And so, for safety's sake, a mother was quarantined for 40 days after the child was born. On the eighth day after birth, the child was taken to be circumcised by a priest and then after that, the mother had 32 more days of uncleanness when she was not permitted to go into the temple or, according to the Bible, to touch anything holy. After the 40 days of purification, they were required to take the child to the temple and to offer a sacrifice to the Lord for his blessing and also for her purification. Leviticus 12 and 6 says, and when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, 
She shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest. The required offering for a child was a lamb less than a year old and a young pigeon or a young turtle dove. This was the cost of the offering for the purification of the mother of the child. The sacrifice was to be given on the 40th day. Not everybody could afford a lamb. And so every day there's this procession at the temple of mothers and fathers bringing lambs for their, with their babies so the child would be blessed and so the mother could, be, could receive her purification. Not everyone could afford a lamb, therefore there was a sacrifice allowable for the poor to bring. In verse number eight it said, and if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtles, which means two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. If they were too poor, to afford a lamb, then God made a provision for the poor among them. Talking about this 40th day, this 40th day in the life of Jesus Christ when he is just a baby being brought, Mary and Joseph come to the temple to offer the sacrifice for her purification and to have the child blessed by the priests. And Luke 2 and 22 said, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so they bring the baby, they bring Jesus to the temple, the 40th day. This is before the wise men had come. The wise men would bring gold and frankincense and myrrh, all of them uh, highly valued and highly valuable gifts. But before they had that gold and that frankincense and that myrrh, what they had was a lot of poverty. I find it interesting that the king of all kings wasn't ashamed to be born into a poor family. He didn't look at people according to their means in a worldly sense. And the Bible says that in verse 24 of Luke 2, to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. They didn't have a lamb to bring. They didn't have the financial wherewithal to bring a lamb and a turtle dove or a lamb and a pigeon. And so they brought the offering of the pauper, the offering of the poor to bring. And I just find it amazing that God chose a poor family to be born into. That the God who is familiar with all the riches of the universe the Bible said that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all that dwell therein. That to the Lord belongs the cattle on a thousand hills, that all things are his, but yet he's not ashamed of the poor. He's not ashamed of those that live in humble surroundings. Amen. But the spiritual reason, I, I, I've got a few things. I'm, I'm going to meander just a little bit tonight. I guess I meander a lot every night. But, uh, but though their ancestors on both sides of the family were of the house of David, descended from the greatest king of Israel, that 
richness of David and Solomon hadn't passed all the way down to Joseph and Mary. But Jesus, but God wasn't ashamed to be born through the womb of a poor, impoverished girl. They didn't have to have everything in the world to have everything in Christ. Amen. And so Jesus wasn't ashamed to be born of someone that couldn't even afford a lamb. But they did have a lamb. They didn't bring a lamb for sacrifice that day, but they brought a lamb when they brought Jesus because 33 years later, Mary would walk with Jesus into Jerusalem and watch him be sacrificed on a cross for the purification of all humanity. She didn't have a lamb herself for her own purification, but she brought the lamb that would be the purification of all the world. And so on the 40th day, on the 40th day, we learned that that Jesus isn't about what you've got in your bank account. He's about what you have in your heart. And Mary and Joseph didn't have a lamb to bring, but they brought the lamb of God and were trusted to raise him. All of that on the 40th day. And then in verse 25, it said, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now we find one of the most obscure characters in the entire Bible, this man by the name of Simeon. We don't know anything about his family. We don't know who his dad was. We don't know his lineage. We don't know what town he was born in. We don't know anything about his occupation. We don't know anything about the background of Simeon. From the standpoint of what we know about him, he was completely of no reputation. There was no background that we would look at him and think, well, this man has a pedigree. This man has a history. This man's name means something. He, we don't know anything about Simeon's background other than a few things the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in verse number 25 that uh, he was just, he was devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. All the things that we use to identify people, where you come from, who you came from, what you do, all the information points that we use to describe ourselves and describe the people we associate with, all of that's absent from Simeon. He is a man completely without a reputation as far as his background. But only four things mattered to Luke. He was a just man. Who his parents were didn't matter. Where he was born didn't matter. His occupation didn't matter. What mattered was that he was a just man. Just means that he was righteous. He was living a holy life. He was careful about the way he lived. The second thing about him that was important was he was a devout man. He was faithful. He was devoted. Amen. He made sure that his life habits were in line with the word of God. And then he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's an interesting phrase. The consolation of Israel was the idea that God would restore Israel to their own power and vanquish the enemy. At this time, they are under the boot of Rome. Rome is occupying Israel. And the Bible said that this man Simeon is waiting 
for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the moment they would be delivered and set free from oppression, waiting for the time that salvation would come through the Messiah, the Savior, looking for God to revive Israel. He's living in a troublesome time. He, Rome is dominating Israel with their army, Roman soldiers occupying the land, the Holy Land, the empire, forcing them to pay taxes to the point that the economy in Israel was under heavy strain, that people were working their hardest to survive, and then with whatever's left over, Rome is taking these high taxes to feed their army that's occupying the land. From a religious standpoint, the high priest is corrupt and he's carnal, and he is willing to buy with pieces of silver the, uh, the innocent and to arrange their death. Societally, the people are cold and distant and far from God. Yet through all of that, in the midst of this hopeless generation and that hopeless society, this man, Simeon, is still waiting for the consolation of Israel. When all the signs point that it's too late, Israel's done. We'll never get back what we had. We'll never get back to our glory days. Life, as far as we know it, but yet there's this one man on the 40th day who the Bible said is waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word waiting doesn't only mean just to sit and wait and watch the clock go around. The word waiting there, it literally means to await with confidence. To await with confidence, to look for in faith. This, this man who is looking at his, at his society and his country and he's looking at this, this land that is overrun by a Roman Empire, yet in the middle of all that, a bad economy, a bad religious situation, a bad societal situation, and a bad political situation, in the middle of all that bad, there's this man who is looking with confidence for the revival of Israel. Amen. Praise God. He was a revivalist in a day when it looked like there could be no revival. He was believing God to do something when it looked like there was nothing that could be done. So he was just, he was righteous, he was holy, he was devoted and faithful, and he was believing God still in the middle of all the negative reports, he was still believing God to do something great. And then the Bible says that the Holy Ghost was upon him. The Spirit of the Lord, the Bible said the Spirit of the Lord led him to the temple. Only The only four things we know about Simeon is that he was just devout, waiting for the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was on, upon him. And so that tells me something. That tells me that if we're willing to live right, faithfully serve God, have faith for revival, and be led by the Spirit, we can see the Lord move. Amen. It doesn't matter what's going on out there. Doesn't matter how bad it is out there. Doesn't matter how bad the religious condition in our country is, the cultural condition of our country, the economic condition of our country, or the political condition of our country. If we'll faithfully serve God, live right, and trust him, and be led by the Spirit, we can see the Lord move in this generation, and in this time, and in our hour, we can expect, we can have the expectation to see God. Amen. The Bible said in verse 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
It was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that I'm not going to die until I see the Lord. So he went to the house of God with expectations to see the Lord. May I tell you that how you come to the house of God will determine what you see in the house of God. Our faith determines what we get when we come to the house of God. This man went to the house of God expecting to see the Messiah. The Bible said, I love this phrase in verse 27. He came by the Spirit into the temple. Man, I, I like that phrase. He came by the Spirit. That doesn't mean that the, the Holy Ghost picked him up and transported him like a magic carpet to the temple. It means he came by the Spirit. He came by the Spirit. He literally came. The, here's what the Bible in basic English says, that full of the Spirit, he came into the temple. The, another version says, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple. Here's the point. He showed up to church full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He didn't need three songs and half the sermon to get full of the Holy Ghost. He came full of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. If I, if, if, if I wasn't in a good Christmas mood, you know what I'd say? I'd say most that, that, that we are in danger when we use the church to do for us what we should have done at home. We ought to come to church full of the Holy Ghost when we get here. Amen. Merry Christmas. We ought to walk through those doors full of the Holy Ghost. That means we prayed at home. That means we got our heart and our mind right at home. And when we do that, then we can come to church with a mission to do something for God instead of being rescued by God every time we come. Amen. He came by the Spirit. He came full of the Holy Ghost. He came to church ready to have church. Amen. Praise God. We ought to be prayed up when we get here. If you're not prayed up when you get here, I can suggest some people for you to ride to church with. You'll be prayed up by the time they get you here. We should be in tune with the Holy Ghost on our way to church so when we get to church, we can do something for God instead of need to be rescued by God every time we come. Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple, verse 28 through 30, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. He went to, he saw Mary and Joseph with Jesus and he went and he took the baby in his arms and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. God, I'm ready to go now. I got what I needed to be ready to meet you. I've seen the Lord's Christ. I, my eyes have seen salvation. I've, I've seen him. I touched him. I held him. I looked in his face. I'm ready to go. You're never ready for death until you met Jesus. Amen. Not just because someone told you, but because you've had a real experience with him for yourself. He said, now I've seen the Lord's Christ. I've held him in my arms. I'm ready to go now. Simeon proclaimed the ministry of Christ in verse 32. He said, a light to lighten the Gentiles in the glory of thy people Israel. Jesus was not just for Israel. He was for the Gentiles. He was for everyone. 
not just for part of society, but for everybody. Amen. And then in verse 33, Luke 2 and 33, you still with me tonight? And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. This is one of the most amazing verses in the entire Christmas story to me. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. You would think they would have already known all that, right? Jesus is ten and a half months old by now. It's been about ten and a half months. He's, 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 he's not that old, but it's been about ten and a half months since the angel visited Mary. Ten and a half months since the angel visited Mary. Jesus is on his 40th day alive, but, but the angel went almost 11 months ago and talked to Mary. Here's what the angel said, Luke 1, 28, and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then she asked the question, how can this be? Seeing I know not a man, this is impossible. And here's the angel's response, Luke 1, 35. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. I don't know how Mary could have been surprised by what Simeon said. Well, then Joseph finds out that Mary's expecting a child Knowing that he had not been with her, he's trying to decide what to do with her. He's got two options. Take her to the priest, expose her as an adulteress. She'll either be stoned or whatever they decide to do. Or secondly, could put her away privately and for her sake so that she doesn't go publicly shamed. And so those are his decisions. Those are two options he has. Here's what happened, Matthew 1, 20 and 21. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Mary and Joseph both had angelic visitations that told them who Jesus was. And yet here he is on his 40th day. They're listening to this old man, Simeon. And Luke 2 and 33 says, Joseph and his mother marveled at those things. I'm like, how can you still marvel? How can you still wonder? Out of all, out, after all that, Mary, you got talked to by an angel, an angel appeared and told you about Jesus, you had to have felt the Holy Ghost touch you when Jesus was put in your womb, 
You knew you were a virgin, but yet there's a baby growing inside. You did, I mean, you know. You never knew a man, yet you had the travail of childbirth. You heard the angels sing, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace and goodwill toward men. You heard the words, for unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And 40 days later, you and Joseph are still marveling. That doesn't make sense to me. Anybody else think the way I think? Is anybody thinking at all? Have you shut down for the holidays? Doesn't that strike you as interesting? That after all that, Mary and Joseph are like, what in the world is this guy talking about? They marveled at what Simeon said. I wonder if it was the monotony of the day-to-day -day taking care of a baby that made it seem a little less supernatural. There's nothing supernatural feeling about changing a diaper. Waking up in the middle of the night because a hungry baby's crying. The common everyday grind of life makes taking care of a baby seem a little less supernatural and a little less remarkable. But it was remarkable. We got to be careful not to let the mundane day-to-day -day things of our life take away the wonder of what God's done for us. Don't let the troubles of bill paying and child raising and marriage issues and working with people that you don't always get along with cause you to forget the wonder of being Holy Ghost filled and baptized in Jesus' name. How many times have you got a blessing on Sunday and after a stressful week you're wondering, did I really get what I thought I got Sunday? wonder how many people got the Holy Ghost and shortly after getting the Holy Ghost when real life pops back up. And they wonder, did I really get that or did I really not get that? I'm going to tell you, Mary and Joseph... Both of them talked to angels. The Holy Ghost put the baby in her. She never was with a man, but she's carrying a child for nine months. She gives birth to the baby. Angels appear. I mean, how many of you had angels show up the night you were born and sing? All of that, and yet here they are 40 days later. What in the world is that? What's he talking about? They marveled. I'm going to tell you, the 40th day sometimes is the day that you've got to remind yourself about what God promised and what God did. Amen. It's a good thing that when you're having a rough day that you stop and you go back and you remember what God's done for you. Amen. It's a good thing to remember. The 40th day. And then after Simeon, Simeon's standing there holding the, 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 the Messiah practically asking God to let him die now. Lord, you can take me now. I've seen the Lord's Christ. Everything I could ever want, I've got it in my arms right now. I, there's nothing, there's, I, this is the best it can ever be. And then all of a sudden the Bible switches and there's this lady that comes in. Verse 36 of Luke 2, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, 
and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and with prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. This is another obscure character in the whole story, Anna. Three verses in the whole Bible. I just read them to you. That's all we know about her. She was a prophetess. The Lord spoke to her and she spoke what God told her. She was a daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. Luke must not have ever dealt with, he was single, I can guarantee you that. Otherwise, he never would have wrote that. That's a brave man right there. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity and was a widow of about four score and four years. I'm not exactly, I'm trying, I've, I've tried to do a little investigate and figure out exactly what that meant. Did it mean, mean that uh, after her husband died that she was four score and four years after he died, she lived as a widow for 84 years? Or was she 84 years old total, but most of those years spent after her? If, 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 she got married around 15, like was common in that day, and she had a husband for seven years before he died. And then that puts her like at 108 years old. Either way, the Bible said she had great age. Think about her life. She's a young lady, young, a young woman, and then her husband died. Life for a widow in the ancient world is not great. She and her husband probably had plans like all young families do. Then in her youth, her husband dies. Whether sickness or accident, we don't know. But we know her life was turned upside down prospects for a young widow in the ancient world less than optimal I'd imagine that it would have been easy for her to get bitter and angry and blame God but her response to her trouble in life was to rededicate herself Luke 2 and 37 she was a widow of about four score and four years which departed not from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day she didn't let the disappointments of life drive her away from God but it drove her to God when things happen in our lives we have the choice of how we're going to react to it we can let it push us further from God or push us closer to God Anna let it push her closer to God and she coming in that instant, she walks in when, when Simeon is holding the baby and he's given this speech about what Jesus is going to be. And, and Mary and Joseph are standing there like, what's he talking about? Marveling at what he's saying. And Anna comes in. 
She coming at that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. I'm going to tell you, anytime we see the Lord, it's time to give thanks. There should never be a time when we're in the presence of the Lord and we're not thankful. If, if anybody has a right to not be thankful, it's probably this, I started to say old lady, Let, let's say it like the Bible said, this lady of great age. Trying not to get myself in trouble. I'm not teaching the youth class tonight. If there's anybody that probably has an excuse to not be thankful, it's this lady who in her youth lost her husband and lived by herself for decades. But yet, as soon as she sees the Lord, her first response is to give thanks. I'm going to tell you, life's going to have disappointments. Life's going to have letdowns. It's going to have trials. You're going to have times when things don't go your way. But you've got to make the conscious choice that when you come in the presence of the Lord to give thanks. When I come to the house of God, it's not my time to worry about what's gone wrong. It's my time to give thanks to him. My first response to his presence is to give thanks. Coming in that instant, it was such a part of her that it was instant that thanks came out of her. I'll tell you, those of us that really know him ought to be able to instantly give thanks. We shouldn't have to have two and a half songs to get warmed up to praise him. Instant. It ought to be instant. In that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake, I love this part, I love this part, and I'm almost done, I really am. And spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now I'm going to tell you, all them that looked for redemption were not in that temple that day. They wouldn't all fit. I've been to the Temple Mount. All the city of Jerusalem would not fit in that building that day. But she left there and told everybody. That word redemption means deliverance. Anyone who wanted deliverance, she told them about Jesus. All over the city. The instant she met the Lord, she became an evangelist. The moment she saw him, she wanted to tell everybody that needed him about him. I'm going to tell you, we ought to all go out of here and tell anybody that needs deliverance about Jesus. You have the answer. You've seen him. You've known him. Amen. She became, she, on the 40th day, the first evangelist came. With the moment she saw Jesus, she thanked him, and then she told everybody in Jerusalem that needed deliverance, you got to find Jesus. The Messiah's been born. The Savior's been born. And then the 40th day ends. All that happened on the 40th day. Verse 39, and when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. I've chose this for, I've been, I've been, I've agonized trying to figure out what to talk about tonight. I didn't really want to get into the book of Acts again because the rest of the chapter we started last week, there's so much in it. I didn't want to break it up over uh, what we've got planned for the month of January. And so I, I, I wanted to figure it out and, and I, I got looking at this particular portion of the story and I realized I don't really know a whole lot about that. that. We don't talk about that a whole lot. We skip straight over, don't we? 
Don't we skip straight over from the wise men and the shepherds, or I'm sorry, from the, the angels and the shepherds to the wise men, and we skip this, this part that's in here. But there's a reason these are in here. They're not in the Bible just by accident or for no, no reason. I think that the reason these are here is to tell us, first of all, give whatever sacrifice you can. If you don't have a lamb, bring a turtle dove. Give what you can give. Do what you can do in living for the Lord. Don't let what you don't have keep you from doing what you can do. And then live for God. Be just. Be devout. Expect revival. Be full of the Holy Ghost. Even if you face major disappointments in life, be faithful to worship and thank Him. And then tell everyone you can about the Savior that was born that night in Bethlehem. That's the lesson from the 40th day. Those are the lessons from the 40th day. God, I thank you for the richness of the Bible. God, that within it there are things that remind us how to deal with disappointments, how to deal with life, our responsibilities, the way we should live, the way we should carry ourselves. God, I thank you because you included the story of Simeon and the story of Anna. And God, that you made it clear. You didn't have to put it in the Bible that Mary and Joseph were too poor to afford a lamb. But God, you put all that in there so we would know that we can come to you in whatever condition we're in. And God, that when we found you, we found everything. And God, I thank you because in this season in our country, in our season of life, God, we're celebrating people in this world, are, are planning celebrations that include everything except you. They're planning parties and celebrations that include everything except for you. But God, I pray that, that in this time, we'll keep our mind focused on who you are and what you've done. God, I want to bring my best to you. And God, I want to live a devoted, faithful life. I want to be a worshiper. And God, even in disappointments, I want to be able to, to worship you and thank you and help me, God. Help us all to be like Anna and tell everyone that needs deliverance about you. Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. You are dismissed tonight in the name of the Lord.